You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Because look, I grew up left too. You know, my mom's a human rights lawyer. I get it, okay? But here's my advice. Just think about it. Young people, think about it. When you get married and you have a kid, you might want to marry a Republican woman, okay? Like, because they actually like want to be with the kid and raise it. You know, that's good. It's just that kind of just surfed around the room. That thing just traveled like COVID. Just. Is it true? It's a little true. It's a little true. It's a little true. It's a little bit true. The first time here at Holmes Elementary, this has controversy brewing throughout the school district and the community. I let my kids believe in whatever the hell they want to believe in, as long as they're happy and it's not hurting them or hurting someone else. Christina Longsword threw her kids back. Got some pencils and we got a sticker. New school supplies from her kids, a new group. The after-school Satan Club. Did your kids have fun today? Oh, yeah, they had a blast. They can't wait for the next one. It's sponsored by the Satanic Temple. The after-school program is popping up around the nation and in many schools that also give space to Christian groups. In Ohio, there's three. Lebanon, Eaton, and now Wilmington. We look to Satan as a symbol for standing up to tyrannical authority. To us, Satan is a symbol. Um, It's like Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. The new group isn't about conjuring up spells. Instead, June Everett, the after-school Satan Club national director, says it's about critical thinking, creative expression, and inclusion. We don't talk about Satanism, um, even though we are non-theistic, meaning we don't believe, again, in a supernatural Satan. Um, We don't talk about, we don't push it on the kids. Playing devil's advocate is Jane Johns. She stands alongside others that question the Satan Club's motives. I, I think most people are frightened by hearing that. I mean, it, it, that is a little, un, you know, uneasy to take in. Wilmington City Schools released a lengthy statement that reads in part, the after-school Satan Club is not district or school-sponsored event. And welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 513 of this podcast. Today is Saturday, December 10th, 2022. And in this episode, we start off with a brief discussion of a little comedy sketch by Yanis Pappas. I think I'm saying his name right. He's a stand-up comedian, podcaster, TV host. His website says he's appeared multiple times and is a regular on the Joe Rogan Experience, Tim Dillon Show, YMH, Two Bears, One Cave, Bad Friends, Lex Fridman and Tiger Belly. He does this little sketch, which my wife sent to me on Instagram the other day. DC Drano had uh, posted it, and it was it was quite funny. It was actually it was quite quite funny. Uh, I still think it's funny. Actually, it, it was and is funny that it's a little bit true that <laughs> Republican voting women. Uh, are more likely to want to actually, uh, you know, raise the kid and be with them. So, so pick well, right? Choose well. I don't think it's because they're Republican voting women. I think it actually has probably more to do with 
their broader worldview, their broader attitudes, beliefs, you know, way of seeing themselves and those around them. And actually, typically, uh, you know, on average, their way of seeing God. What do they believe about God? That then informs what they believe about themselves, what they believe about their relationships, what's important in life, what they value, and how the world works and how we then should live. Very funny. And you can tell there's this uncomfortability in the audience, (laughs) as is entirely predictable. There's this uh, weight, right, where maybe if you're in the audience and you're not necessarily the most out front, upfront about your political beliefs or where you stand on social issues that might be, you know, in keeping with going to a comedy show. I don't know. You're like, oh man, do I, do I laugh at that? I don't know. <laughs> How's that going to be received by the people I'm with? And then like popcorn popping a few and then more and more guys in particular just can't help it. And they start laughing like loud because it's all the more funny that it's not just a little bit true. It's also uh, a little bit transgressive in terms of what is considered acceptable and uh, what you're allowed to say, what you're allowed to uh, comment on and point out in our day and age. So funny how that works, that what in former times was considered just that it's just the way that it is, right? You you want to be more conservative and uh, you're probably going to be having uh, a marriage, having some children, raising those children, having a family, and that's just the way that goes. And if you're more progressive, well, then you might not. You might just say, I'm going to focus on science and my professional life, my career, my uh, you know education. I'm going to focus on those things, and that's actually how I self-actualize. But if you're more conservative, you're going to be actually raising your children instead of sending them off to somebody else to raise, for instance, or just camping them out in front of a TV or a computer screen or a smartphone, anything to get them out of your hair so that you can do what you want. So that's a funny thing. That That's a, you know, it's, it's dark comedy and uh, it is ironically transgressive, even though it's not transgressive for a woman with a, uh, you know, ambition to be a wife and a mother, to actually live that out and to pursue that and to pursue excellence in that. The other clip I played, not part of the comedy sketch, it's actually a bit of reporting that, again, thanks to my wife, I had access to and was aware of this week, some reporting from WLWT, That would be a local NBC News affiliate uh, station in Cincinnati area, Cincinnati, Ohio area. They do a little bit of reporting in this segment I played for you. Uh, Danielle Dindak is the name of the uh, reporter who's doing the the talking and explaining of this after-school Satan Club meeting in some schools there. In Ohio in particular, they're concerned because they're local news. They're concerned in particular about 
local Ohio public schools that are hosting this after-school Satan program, Satan club. But then this is also something that's going nationwide. And what is the explanation? What is the rationale? How does a parent who is interviewed explain uh, and and you know reason out and characterize and frame her children being in this club or going to this club and being a part of it? Also, how does a concerned parent? It's not quite sure. Uh, is this is this okay? Is this all right? What you know? Again, with the transgressive, yesterday's transgressive action would be to say what the parent who is sending her kids to this and happy about it and defending it, uh, you know, says that would be extraordinarily transgressive in times past, in not all that many years past, uh, certainly decades and centuries past. That you, know, you there would be very very serious repercussions from the community. Maybe there still are repercussions from the community, but but not you know not the kind that really concern this mother. She's not too worried about it. Nobody's going to take her kids away anyway. But then you have on the other hand the parent who is saying, "I'm not so sure about this. I, this is a little hard to take in." You know, like this is <laughs> you know nervous laughter, kind of like the guys at the comedy club. Because actually what's become transgressive is to object to this. What's not transgressive anymore is to send your kids to an after-school Satan club. What's not transgressive is to say, I don't want to raise my kids. They are driving me crazy. And I hear that often. My kids are driving me crazy. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to spend time with them. They're misbehaving. They're out of line, they're distracting, they're stressful, they demand things from me, they ask for things from me, they have behavioral issues, they're rude or whatever. That's not transgressive to say all of that, but it is transgressive if you point out that Republican voting women more likely to actually want to be around the kid, to love and nurture and raise the kid and take care of the kid, actually more transgressive in our day to object to an after-school Satan club than it is to send your kids to an after-school Satan club. But then note, too, at the very, very tail end of that reporting from WLWT, you have this statement, right? It's a, it's a letter. It's not, they're not going to go on uh, live TV for sure and uh, you know send out a spokesperson. That's cowardice, in my view, that the local public school, they don't even have the guts to sit down and have an interview with WLWT. And it's just it's just cowardice. They don't want to be live saying something for or against the after school Satan Club because of course, you know, you want the time to carefully write out and plan and you know fine-tune and edit what you're going to say in legal terms and in very uh, you know, let's say you know, thread the needle carefully terms and then, okay, you can read a selection, uh, you know, a line or two from this letter that we're going to send you local news station. And Hey, you know what? We're, we're not sponsoring it. We're not sponsoring it. So, so don't look at us. Don't, don't blame us. It's cowardice. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just cowardice on the part of folks who would not laugh at the comedy sketch uh, you know, they do. They're, they're reluctant because they're trying to, you know, in real time, they're doing the calculations on, can I get away with even laughing at this? 
it's cowardice on the part of, I'm sorry, but the mother whose strongest uh, <laughs> response, uh, you know, because you, you know, if there were a stronger response that she had given, that would actually be what was aired on WLWT. But the strongest response she can give is, well, you know, it's just a little hard to take in. I I don't know about this. Are you, <laughs> you know, and, and it's cowardice on the part of the school district to distance themselves like, oh, this has nothing to do with us. Like, we, we're, you know, like they just, they just started this after school Satan club and we, we don't know anything about it. Like it's a free country. My big takeaway to both and is we need to have more courage to say, I mean, at a bare minimum, can can we say that there is a floor of acceptability? We draw the line on uh, Satan Club. Can, is that is that a bridge too far? Even still, that you can't draw the line on Satan Club. Uh, if you haven't noticed, if you haven't mentioned uh, to your friends here lately, when you did notice, I wrote this book a couple of years ago. You might check it out if you haven't yet. And this is why we homeschool. And this is why we homeschool, by the way. This is why we homeschool, because this cowardice is not what I want my children to be raised, to internalize day in, day out, penalized or rewarded on the basis of whether they can prefer or pretend to prefer or affirm and support and endorse these kinds of sentiments, these sorts of value judgments. This is not what we want for our kids. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not terribly worried or afraid or concerned. It it doesn't destroy my faith. It doesn't destroy my day that there are parents who are sending their kids to an after-school Satan club. But I would implore you for the sake of your soul, for the sake of your children's souls, for the sake of your conscience, for the sake of your eternal <laughs> well-being, get your kids out. Just do. Get your kids out of the public schools when this is the best that they can offer. There's no fear of God in this place, in the public schools, if you can't even object to the after-school Satan club without fear of being canceled, penalized, punished, somebody getting back at you for it. There's no fear of God in this place if even a after-school Satan club is uh, just whatever. This isn't even to say anything about what is being done to kids in terms of sexual morals, sexual ethics, but it's interesting to me. I mean, one of the rationales that's given from the gal who is, uh, you know, interviewed, not the mother, but the other one who is explaining the value that they place on this after-school Satan program that she's helping to promote. They say, well, we don't believe in a, a supernatural God or Satan, and Satan is just a symbol to us. He's just a symbol of standing up to tyranny and repression, and that that's all, right? Satan is just a symbol for free expression and creativity and artistry. That's all, right? That That's all. Well, 
here's what you're also saying when you say that. For one, what I pointed out before, that there's no fear of God. You're, you are asserting that. Satan being the center of your attention and affections and your club here, that right there tells me you do not fear God. If you are going to openly side with and encourage kids to side with the enemy of God, well, then basically what you're doing is you're saying, we are enemies of God. Moreover, you are maligning the character of God uh, by just inverting what you say regarding Satan. To say that Satan is a symbol for you of standing up against repression and tyranny is to slander God. It is to malign God's character. It's the exact opposite of worship. And you are in mortal danger. Your eternal soul is bound for (laughs) eternal uh, companionship with Satan. And so also it's, it's unconscionable that you are leading children into that as well. It, it is very, very sad, but more to the point, it's sad because it's evil. It's evil what you're doing. It's evil what you're saying. It is evil what you're doing to these children. But again, if it's just a symbol, okay, you know what? By extension, what do you think that my Christian faith is symbolic of? Well, you think that it is symbolic of repression and tyranny. And you think it's symbolic of being opposed to artistic self-expression and making art and being creative. You're saying that my Christian faith and all of its uh, you know, assorted uh, accoutrements, its accessories, its images, its values, its assertions, its truth claims, you're saying that all of those are symbolic of the things that you're against. And you are basically maligning not just God, not just Jesus Christ himself, but you're also maligning those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And if that's where you stand, if that's your position, well, in some sense, there's a silver lining in the story because you're saying it out loud, right? We don't have to read into it. We don't have to go on like we have been for years, many of us who are are, are more vocal about these things. We, we don't have to you know, really you know, draw out these subtle statements and say, ah, you know, what this really means is this, this, and this. No, you're just you know, right out in front and you're like, oh, no, we're, we're celebrating Satan. Yeah, we have a club where we, what, worship Satan? Uh, yes, essentially. Yes, you worship Satan. So you are of your father, the devil. And the things that you're saying are lies because Satan is the father of lies. That's not creativity. That is loving death. The scriptures say that all who hate God love death. And this is not to be hateful towards you, but because I am concerned for you, I warn you in the strongest possible terms, you destroy yourself in this. You destroy yourself. And I would encourage you, turn back, repent. Don't be slaves to Satan because you're not free. This is not actually freedom that you are getting. It's a trick. It's always been a trick from the beginning. 
that has always been Satan's game is to promise freedom, but ultimately deliver death and slavery and bondage and misery. So don't take the, <laughs> don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. You, you don't have to take this new definition of what is transgressive and what is upright. It's inverted based on not just what was before, but what is and what will always be. It was not just a tradition that to affirm Satan would uh, destroy you. That's not just a tradition. That's not a man-made convention. It became a tradition and a man-made convention in some sense in the West in particular, in Christian civilization, in Christendom, because it was the reality, because it was the observed reality again and again and again among the nations and among individuals and groups of people who rebelled against God, that that led to destruction, self-destruction, because it's evil. It's evil. And ultimately, the very end of this evil is self-destruction. So don't do it. Don't, don't do it. You can turn back. And for those of us who are undecided what to say about these sorts of things, what we have to say, if we actually do care about the folks who are sending their children off into this, who are themselves sponsoring, endorsing, affirming, defending, rationalizing, because that's the other thing, even just those who are affirming or rationalizing or minimizing, are they themselves also guilty? If we are silent and we know better, well, then we have blood on our hands and if you affirm these wicked things, you also are guilty. And that's true in the scriptures. We see that again and again, that God will not hold guiltless those who say nothing and fail to speak up as others are being led away to the slaughter. He will not hold guiltless those who keep silent when they could have given a timely warning. Also, too, the scriptures are very clear that those who affirm such things, you don't have to actually personally engage in them and behave that way. Those who affirm such things are guilty and they stand condemned. They've made themselves, declared themselves to be proudly, defiantly enemies of God. Those of us who are concerned for our own soul, our own household, we have got to get our kids out of the public schools. I'm going to say it again and again and again. Because there is no fear of God in that place. And I hate to break it to you, but it has to be said. If you send your kids off to the same kinds of folks who write the letter instead of actually going on the news and explaining what their position is, taking a uh, clear stand, you are sending your children off to godless cowards who, if they're successful, will raise your children to also be godless cowards. A student is not above their teacher. So also, if we want our children to be courageous and brave, we as parents have to say, for one, something stronger than just, I don't know about this. I don't know. This is a little hard to take in. But I will anyways in the long run because I'll rationalize it so that I don't make waves, so I don't upset people. No, no, no. Don't be that way. Have courage. Moving on into some other things. We won't fixate only on the bit about after school Satan club and uh, whether it's better to marry a 
woman who's going to vote Republican typically as a rule, uh, or be conservative. I think that would be, you know, I, that's how I would say marry, marry a conservative woman, marry a conservative woman. Just briefly, very, very briefly, there's an opinion piece here by Joseph Curl at the Daily Wire from yesterday, Ticketmaster's botched sale of Taylor Swift tickets converted Gen Zers into anti-monopolists, FTC chairman says. The <laughs> Federal Trade Commission chairman is the one saying this and pointing it out. Gen Z, also known as Zoomers, uh, Americans born between the late 1990s and uh, early 2010s. They don't read quite a lot, according to reporting by Joseph Curl or his opinion piece here. They don't read a lot. Uh, just 26%, according to a survey in 2019 by the National Literacy Trust, just 26% of under 18 uh, boys and girls, young men, young women, spend some time reading every day. And that is the lowest level since they started keeping track in 2005. But what are kids doing instead? Well, you know, we all know what they're doing instead is they're looking at their smartphones. They're jumping on their laptops. They're glued to their tablets. They're playing video games. They're watching movies. They're watching YouTube increasingly. They're watching TikTok increasingly. They're listening to music, and that's what they do instead of reading. So they do that instead of reading, and therefore, when they decide that they want to go to a concert and see in live, in person, uh, the artists that they enjoy listening to on Spotify or watching on YouTube or what have you, when they can't get tickets – because the system is broken, but it's too big and too self-satisfied, resting on its laurels to quality control uh, its own algorithms and uh, services uh, platform. When that happens, in the case of uh, Taylor Swift, for instance, that gets Gen Zers' attention. That makes them perk up and say, hey, wait a second, isn't there somewhere else to go? Yeah, isn't, isn't there some other website? Isn't there some other platform I can go to to buy tickets to the concert that I want to attend for my favorite musician? Isn't there, No, there's nowhere else to go? Huh, man, there's, there should be competition in the market. Huh, this, isn't, this isn't right. This isn't fair. And just like that, just like that, Gen Zers, uh, Come to the same conclusion that they would have much sooner if they were reading, if they were getting a quality education in the public schools, if they weren't glued to their screens so much. Just like that, they start to appreciate the importance of a free market and of competition in the marketplace. And so it's a it's a funny thing, and it does support and affirm and make evident uh, something I've been saying which is pain as a teacher. And and I do believe that we are looking at several years of pain. And I don't know that America, the United States of America, ever really comes back like it was before on the other end of that pain. But I 
I would hold to a view that if we if we're not completely totally destroyed, if we don't totally destroy ourselves with after school Satan Club and uh, you know having ourselves spayed and neutered and changing genders and you know things like that. If we don't totally destroy ourselves in this moment. On the other end, I think that all of this pain is going to be a teacher and it's going to teach us the value again of longer form content, not TikTok videos that are each five, 10 seconds long and uh, you, you develop ticks and mental and emotional disorder because you're just watching all these short little, you know, flitty, uh, frivolous, superficial junk food for the brain type uh, videos. But I think we're going to I think we're going to come out of it on the other end appreciating longer form content. That's part of why I put out long form content. It's because we've got to stretch these attention spans. We've got to lengthen the amount of time we can pay attention to an idea and what will make that more attractive and what will incentivize that is the pain that comes with not paying attention for long enough, you know, unless we're committed to self-destruction. And that is, that is a thing too. We have more and more people who have internalized the idea that they were non-essential, that their education and their childhood in many cases was non-essential. It was unimportant. It took a, a distant back seat in the value judgments of their parents to their parents, not making waves, not getting in trouble, not upsetting, not rocking the boat, not getting canceled, not getting in trouble legally or, you know, having their kids taken from them, you know, not having to change their routine. There's a lot of kids that internalized the fact that there's a selfishness and a a lack of uh, value placed on the truth. A lot of adults internalized that they were told, your job is not important. Your life is not important, except to you know not get COVID and not to give COVID to somebody else. That's all that's really important. Stay home, collect your check, watch the news, keep you know, repeat after me, the bad orange man, it's his fault. The Republicans are evil. They're literally Nazis. Repeat after me. You know, Christianity is repressive. And look at these Christians who are science deniers and they keep getting together and they keep meeting together. Uh, you know, in obedience to the scriptures and obedience to God, to encourage one another, to sing worship to the Lord, to read God's word, to meditate on it. Look at these guys. They, they're just vectors for disease and climate change. <laughs> A lot of adults and children internalized that. And at a certain point, critical mass has to be reached. Either A, we destroy ourselves or somebody else comes in and just, you know, finishes us off because we're just that self-indulgent and we've just given up that much on life itself. Or there's a breaking point where we realize, hey, this is not working. This whole paradigm is broken. This is a failed idea. This is a failed worldview. And my hope is that Christians are ready, that they know God's word, that they are diligent that they love their neighbors, that they seek the welfare of the city, that they glorify God all the way through here. And then at a certain point, by God's grace, you have more and more of these people who are giving up on life and they're despairing of life itself. And they're broken and they're lonely and they're empty. You have more and more of them putting their faith in Christ and actually finding life. 
and finding real freedom. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. My hope would be that more and more of my countrymen are set free indeed and that they have life and life eternal in Christ. And I think that as funny as it might sound, it could work to that end that you have increasingly brazen and brazen and open uh, admissions that, oh, yeah, we love Satan. Wait, what? No, <laughs> Here we, as Christians, objecting to what was going on in the schools, in politics, in society, in the media, in culture, here we've been dismissed for years if we dare say, well, that's satanic. Oh, you can't say that. Oh, you can't say. And then you get the Satanists who come out and they're like, yeah, yeah, we, we are. We are satanic. We, the Satanists are championing abortion and after school programs to, you know, probably trains the kids to not just, uh, uh, you know, do arts and crafts, I guess, you know, draw pictures of, uh, Baphomets, you know, it, if it transitions from here into, Hey, well, you know, our religious belief is that, you know, some people, they just, they don't want to live anymore. And there's actually a lot of magical power if we assist their suicide. Uh, but, well, they don't know. They don't know yet that they don't want to live anymore, but they, they don't, right? They, you know, we know, you know, if, if this turns into, you know, the, the, the fruition of pagan rituals and human sacrifice, which it was found all over the world prior to the rise of God's people by God's grace, first uh, the the people of Israel, and then subsequently the church, the Christian church. If this actually goes right back into human sacrifice and blood magic and such like that, well then, uh, you know, in some measure, uh, it's a stress relief because, well, now I don't have to jump through all these crazy hoops in reasoning and explaining that, no, this is, this is Satanism. And it's, you know, in, in a certain regard, we're already there. We're already into the blood magic and the human sacrifice piece, because again, I would refer you to abortion and the whole cutting of people, you know, that, that also, that's been a blood magic sort of thing for a long, long time. Elective surgeries, to change your gender, I'm sorry, but I, I think that is very much of a piece. I'm Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry that I said I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I, I think that this whole gender reassignment surgery business is of a piece with just blood magic. I think the abortion issue is of a piece with blood magic. It is the occult. It is satanic. It is not of God. And as Christians, we can't rationalize it. We can't get wishy-washy and say, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, we, we've got to be winsome. We've got to have a good testimony. No, no, you do not have a good testimony affirming these things or playing patty cake with them or rationalizing them or saying, oh, yeah, you could be for that too. You could be a Christian and also be for abortion. You could be a Christian and also be for so-called gay marriage and vote for the Disrespect for Marriage Act. In other news, moving on. Pay special attention <clears throat> as well 
to some of the latest news about Twitter and the release of the Twitter files, as they're being called. I've been following this and you know, mad props to Matt Taibbi because it takes a lot of courage. This is actual journalism. What he's doing is actual journalism. And the fake journalists, the <laughs> the phonies, uh, they're, they're the ones who are attacking him and raging against him in part because I think it's going to come out that they were very much uh, covering for this. A lot of them probably knew that this was going on, but almost to a man and a woman, they all carried water for Twitter and for Facebook and for Google. They all carried water for what Apple was doing and what YouTube was doing in censoring conservative content and censoring anything that critiqued, challenged, argued against, opposed the progressive agenda and the the utopian leftist uh, pipe dream. The second installment of the so-called Twitter files released Thursday evening. You got to get a load of this. I mean, this is it, it's wild and crazy. It really is. The internal dialogue at Twitter. It, it's just it, I don't even know where to start, but basically, you know, we'll give you some examples. How about that? Dan Bongino. Not my favorite person to listen to. I, you know, I just, it, I, it's nothing against him personally. He might be a really nice guy, whatever, but it, you know, just too much of the angry conservative shtick for my liking. And uh, I, and I do think it's a shtick and I, I think it's not ideal. That's part of why I got into podcasting is because I think that we need not just long form content. We also need long form, thoughtful, calm, and uh, actually Protestant Christian uh, worldview, conservative commentary more and more. But Dan Bongino was at a certain point slapped with a search blacklist. That's wild and crazy. That that's, that that's uh, uh, exactly what folks like me have been warning about and trying to draw attention to for years and years. Literally the ability for you to search for Dan Bongino's content was, uh, it, it was, it was turned off. His tweets wouldn't trend. They, they wouldn't trend. Also, Dr. J. Bhattacharya. He was put on a trends blacklist. So his content, his tweets, his shares couldn't trend, even if they were being shared quite a lot, as soon as they might show up in trending, they would trend even more. And Twitter throttled that and basically pruned it and snipped it so that that wouldn't happen. I mean, this is, this is exactly what folks like me said was happening. There's this term, uh, you know, a shadow banning, that's what I've been calling it for years. That's what many others have been calling it for years. Barry Weiss reports what many people call shadow banning, Twitter executives and employees called visibility filtering or VF. Visibility filtering. In other words, we're going to make you invisible. See, these are euphemisms. This is very Orwellian, very much 1984 type 
uh, you know, game uh, being played with language. These are euphemisms. Weiss further noted another major conservative account was hit with a do not amplify restriction. Do not amplify. And, and what this amounts to really is where conservatives were not silenced, their reach was suppressed. And what this, in effect, does psychologically, what this does for a lot of undecided people who, I'm sorry, but they, they don't know how to think for themselves. They've been conditioned their whole lives from little on up through the public education system, through pop culture, through the corporate media. They've been conditioned from little on up to look to other people or groups of people or the experts to do their thinking for them. When they look at who is trending and they start counting noses, even though it's a logical fallacy, they weren't even taught what logical fallacies are or to think about the claims that are being made and how they're reasoning themselves in relation to logical fallacies. When they start counting noses, but the counting of the noses way upstream has been tampered with by the folks who purport to be objective, neutral. Oh, you know, it's just, it's algorithms, right? It's just algorithms. The undecided folk increasingly are manipulated more and more to accept things that are disastrous and ultimately fatal. These are, these are ideas and beliefs on the left that are ultimately terminal. It's like giving everyone cancer, but it's, it's brain cancer. It is, Elon Musk said, as he put it, the woke mind virus. So it's, it's wild stuff. It's really, really wild stuff. You've got to check out the Twitter files. I'm not going to go into every last little point in any of these batches, but I will say there's a lot here. And this is validation for folks like me who for years were saying, no, 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 this is not a private company anymore. They are not acting as a private company. They are acting as a wing of the Democratic Party of a major political party, which off and on, back and forth, controls a sizable share of the United States government, which by extension plays an outsized role in global affairs. Twitter, Facebook, Google, they are not private companies if they're doing the bidding of and working at the behest of, in a very duplicitous, dishonest way, through shadow banning and suspending accounts and flagging for misinformation in a very disingenuous way. Any content that would persuade people. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing that we've got to remember about the reason why there are conservative commentators like myself, like a lot of these figures who are being talked about in the Twitter files as having been censored. The reason there are conservative commentators is because we don't believe in forcing you to say X, Y, and Z or preventing you from saying X, Y, and Z. Unless you are calling for actual violence, you are literally trying to plan and plot 
criminal, evil, wicked behavior and the destruction of other people in a malicious way, we say, okay, you know, hey, let's, let's debate. Let's reason together. Come, let us reason together. And then we try to persuade. The left is all about censorship, though, in part because they don't respect this distinction between the body and the soul. And so their way of getting you to change behavior increasingly is the soft cell. Increasingly, it is we're going to mess with your mind. We don't regard you as being rational agents. We don't regard you as being trustworthy. So this is where nudge theory comes in. This is where Edward Bernays' propaganda comes in. This is where Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals come in. You know, again, speaking of the Satan thing, I mean, you can warn people going into an election, 2004, 2008, for Barack Obama, that one of his major influences is political, you know, grandfather, social uh, political philosophy grandfather as a community organizer was Saul Alinsky. Read his book. Oh, hey, look, it's literally... Don't take my word for it. Go grab a copy. Literally dedicated to Satan at the front end. You can tell people that. You can reason with them, and they might just say, ah, yeah, I think it's just a metaphor. I think it's just a symbol. Surely not. Surely you jest, man. Surely not. But you can't actually. You, you can't even tell people these kinds of things. You can't even reason with your neighbor. You can't even try to persuade them or make arguments, you, uh, you, civil or otherwise. You can't even do that if the folks with their finger on the knob have corrupt values, corrupt judgments of your right to get those arguments see those arguments, hear those arguments, see the evidence, be reasoned with. You know, it's it's ironic to me that having read Edward Bernays' propaganda, Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, Nudge by Cassar Sunstein and Richard Thaler, I have heard these men in their own words, rationalize, explain, justify, and try to persuade others on the left that this is okay. This is what you do. This is, you want to win? It's very much of a piece with The Prince by Machiavelli. It's very, very Machiavellian. And they know it. And they are not embarrassed by the fact. I've heard them in their own words justify their treatment of their fellow man. And the more, the better, right? The more of their fellow man they treat this way, the better. Because, hey, you know, you go big or go home, right? You want to be successful? You got to do this on a large scale at a massively high rate in great depth as often as possible. They don't see you as a soul with a body, as C.S. Lewis would say. They see you as a meat puppet. 
they see you as a means to the end. You're just lights and clockwork. Life, as Shakespeare says, as he writes for one of his characters, being a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Well, that's the kind of rationalization that leads to after-school Satan Club. That's the kind of rationalization that leads to censoring people who get in your way, who disagree with you. You know, and, and the irony, the irony is that in so far as Bernays, Alinsky, Thaler, and Sunstein are playing these outsized roles in the way that the left dominates culture and the news and politics and education, and increasingly, I'm sad to say, <sighs> Big Eva. By the nature of their engagement, they condition people to be more and more this way. Even as they rationalize that people being this way is why they have to herd them how they do, they also make people more and more this way. So it's it's the gift that keeps on giving. If you keep on conditioning people to be shallow, superficial, unreasonable, easily manipulated, led by their emotions, and then you refer right back to them being that way as the reason why you can't let them be exposed to reasoned arguments about the true and the beautiful and the good. Here's a tweet that's highlighted by Jesse James over at Not The Bee. Twitter prioritized the censorship of non-illegal speech over the removal of child sexual abuse material at scale. Let that sink in. Elon Musk's response? Exactly right. <laughs> you, you just you can't make this stuff up. And this, I mean... I, I am not <clears throat> on board with the QAnon business, but by golly, they weren't all wrong. They they, they weren't all wrong. There is so much more of a, a priority placed in these Twitter files than the third batch uh, just dropped as well. I was reading it this morning. I wasn't even out of bed this morning and I was reading through. Some highlights from Matt Taibbi. It's wild, wild stuff. But the internal dialogue, the back and forth, as they're trying, they're trying to justify and rationalize and legitimate censoring even the president of the United States of America, the duly elected president, to where basically, even if you can get through as conservatives and persuade enough of your countrymen, and they do vote for a Republican, for a conservative, for somebody who's going to upset the status quo. Not enough, but at least it's pushing back and it's stemming the slide towards the cliff's edge. That's the best you can say for it, I think, his four years in office. He just bought us some time as conservatives, in particular as conservative Christians. And this is why so many Evangelical Christians did vote overwhelmingly for Donald Trump. We were stalling for time. And by God's grace, we got some time. But the internal dialogue, the back and forth, as they reason 
with themselves and with one another, and then just do it anyways. It it is it is mind blowing, and all at the same time, we look at a massive increase in accounts removed, material flagged on Twitter from when Elon Musk purchases the platform. And and then you find out, <laughs> then you find out that the tools that were being used against conservatives like James Woods, like Donald Trump, like Dan Bongino, the tools that were being used against them, even to peruse their private messages back and forth and to suppress their reach, to remove them from the ability for you or I to search for them, to remove their ability to even trend, like in the case of Dr. Bhattacharya, those tools that they were using against conservatives actually, initially, were designed under the auspices of protecting children from sexual exploitation online. But that's not what they were used for. That's what they were supposedly built for, but that's not what they were used for. They were used to go after conservatives who are the most vocal defenders of children against sexual exploitation. The irony, you know, what it's like, what I would compare it to is Christmas coming up. Let's say I buy my wife a gift and what do I buy her? Well, I'm going to buy her a beard grooming kit. Well, she doesn't have a beard. As you know, if you know us IRL in real life, she doesn't have a beard. I have a beard. And I could reason, I could say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to groom my beard and you're welcome, right? And hey, she really likes my having a beard. She really likes me growing it out. She, that might be a gift to her. She might say, oh, well, yeah, okay, I can get with that, I suppose. But then let's suppose, still further, I say, okay, what I got you for Christmas this year is a new computer for me. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got myself a new computer for you. Merry Christmas. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's not for me. That's <laughs> How is that a gift for me, my wife would say. You know, going back to our anniversary here just a couple of weeks ago, my wife hands me all this cash she's saved up. And oh, by the way, can we just mention briefly how this kind of censorship stops commenters like me, commentators like me, from being able to get an audience, which in our day and age, if you want to do this big time and with support, you have to be able to get a certain sized audience and your conversion rate is not going to be one to one. Like every listener is going to donate X amount or contribute such and such an amount to you being able to do this full time. You write a book like I did. You try and promote it. If your audience is tiny because you've been censored and suppressed, good luck marketing your book. Good luck selling your book. Good luck using that to then fuel and reinvest back into podcasting, blogging, writing, Put that off to the side for a second. My wife 
scrapes together cash over the past year in secret, privately, quietly, and then surprises me with it on our anniversary. Not a lot, 500 bucks. And says, I want you to go and buy yourself a new wedding band. Now, can she derive pleasure, happiness, satisfaction from my wearing a new wedding band? You betcha. But she didn't buy herself a new wedding band with that money and then say, hey, happy anniversary. But that's exactly the kind of reasoning that's employed in this internal dialogue at Twitter. Thanks to Elon Musk being willing to drop over $40 billion to get access to the info and then release it to journalists like Matt Taibbi. Unleash it for journalists like Barry Weiss. Literally, children, humanly trafficked, as they say, kidnapped, I think is a better way to put it, captured, made into sex slaves, children, exploited, molested, raped, destroyed, mind, body, and soul, content to be enjoyed far and wide by perverts, sickos, predators, villains. That was not getting cleaned up on Twitter. But James Woods, President Trump, you, me, I'm still suspended on Twitter for saying, with all due respect, Chris Jolly Hale, that's a retarded thing to say. I'm still suspended since March 26th of this year. It is now almost the end of the year. So they had time to go back and forth uh, on their private Slack channels at Twitter and watch for tweets from people like me and make sure that they didn't trend or show up in search results. They had time to shadow ban people like me before we could even become a threat to them and persuade people against their way of doing things. They had time for that, but they didn't have time to protect children. Let that sink in. That's, yeah, let let that sink in. This is why he walked in with a sink to Twitter headquarters after the sale was final. Really, really wild stuff. Really wild stuff. But where does it go, right? Where does it go from here? Again, I think at a bare, bare minimum, going back to the video at the top, it really does start with, if you're not married, find a good woman of good character who loves the Lord, who wants to serve the Lord with her life, men, Strive to be a a good husband or good husband material so you attract a quality woman. And then embrace the fact that children are a heritage from Yahweh. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, with the children of his youth. 
like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Not, I would note, not necessarily the children of one's old age, but the children of one's youth. Because as you get older, you get more tired. And then, hey, oh, interesting. I have children who are now of age who can help me. I have enemies at the gate. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm going to go chat with them, with the children of my youth who are now full grown and stout and well-spoken and articulate and dignified and, yes, even a deterrent in some measure against my enemy or maybe persuasive for that matter. Wisdom is known by her children. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Someone maybe says, hey, I'm going to send my kids to after-school Satan program. And then where does it go from that? When I was a kid, growing up in Glendive, Montana, there were some Satanists or some high schoolers who were dabbling in Satanism who actually killed one of their classmates and then burned his body in a Satanic ritual on the outskirts of town. It was was a big to-do. Major, major story. Very, very disturbing. Shocking for everybody. But you know what? You know what the school mascot is for Glendive High School? Dawson County High School? The Red Devils. So it starts with a symbol. It starts with a, hey, you know, what's the big deal? And then at a certain point, the hath God said turns into kill yourself. And if you have not acquired friends and family around you who love you enough to warn you, to stop you from being led away to the slaughter, well, then what? But again, as for me and my house, I am persuaded, I am fully convinced that my investing in my marriage, my loving my wife, my serving my wife well, my protecting my wife, my providing for my wife to the best of my abilities by God's grace, that's where I start. I am fully persuaded that my loving and leading my children well is where I start. That my teaching my children, my training my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Yes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I want my children to be wise. I have to teach them the fear of the Lord. I have to train them up in it. I am persuaded that that is where we start. I am also, for the exact same reasons, fully persuaded that when you extend out beyond the walls of my house, my private abode, my immediate family, my wife and children, when I extend out beyond that, the next best thing I can do is encourage other husbands and fathers to love their wives and their children well, to lead them well, to be strong and courageous. Like God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. But that also entails we go to God. We call on the name of the Lord. I am fully persuaded that if I encourage other husbands and fathers 
to serve God well with their wives and their children, that's where we start. And then what does that look like? Is that just, hey, do nice things. Do nice things for your wife. And every now and then, on your way home from work, bring her some flowers. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a whole lot of nothing wrong with that. Don't stop there. And it's not just, hey, sit down with your kids and ask them how school's going. It's sit down with your kids and talk with them about God's word and about what God has called us to and about what's going on in the wider world, more than just school. Don't teach your kids by extension when you only talk about, hey, how's school going, that all you care about in their lives is their schoolwork. That is a means to an end. And as soon as we forget that, we set our children up for becoming very disillusioned and confused and lost. And we can do better than that. Keep the main thing the main thing. Are we presenting a larger vision of why and for what and to what end? If we don't have that larger vision to present it, again, that's where we go to God's word. We study it diligently. That's where we ask God for wisdom, like James talks about in the New Testament. If any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously without finding fault to all. But believe and don't doubt. Don't be a double-minded man. Commit. When you ask God for wisdom, believe that he will give you wisdom and commit. Be open to reason. Let your reasonableness be plain and evident to all. Do nothing from vanity or selfish ambition. Be anxious for nothing. Be strong and courageous. We start there. We start with serving the Lord, hearing his voice, seeking his face, calling on his name. And then we go to investing in marriage and having children. Well, there's a great blessing in that. And that's, I think, the strong tower that the righteous go into and are safe. And whatever's going to happen in the wider world, again, I tell you this now, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their end is destruction. And you don't have to fear them because at the end of the day, they will undo themselves. They are in the process of undoing themselves. Don't fear them, but look to God and be a good steward with whatever he has entrusted to you. You do that, you do that. And what is said by the prophets will be true of you. Tell the righteous it will go well with them. But tell the righteous it will go well with them. But I got to run. Speaking of, it is our son Enoch's birthday. He turns seven today. We need to get him some donuts. Also, I told him I'm going to take him over to Shields. He wants to pick out a present for himself, and that's fine. That's just fine. So I'm going to take him over to Shields, which is a dangerous place to go when you don't know what you want because there's so many things to uh, <laughs> catch the eye. And it's such a fun thing. It's such a fun, fun thing to go to uh, Shields. There's so many things to draw the attention and uh, really a great store over near Loveland, Colorado here. 
So we're going to do that. He and I, father, son, we're going to get out and see what he wants for his birthday. And then we've got a special meal. He's asked for a couple of things. I think he heard, actually, uh, our pastor, one of our pastors at Summit View, Paul Pavlik, talking about their family celebrating Jude and how their tradition is you know, a special breakfast, a special lunch, and a special dinner, at, you know, all catered to, literally, uh, you know, what the, the child in their house or the member of their family has for favorite foods. They just spend the whole day, you know, eating foods that are special to that member of the family whose birthday is being celebrated. Well, uh, Enoch must have keyed in on that because he's like, oh, I want this and I want that and I want this. You know, they're not just one meal. Usually we do one meal and it's like a birthday dinner. It's, you know, one big birthday dinner. And then we do donuts, birthday donuts in the morning. But in any event, we've got that going on today, celebrating him. He is such a joy, by the way. I'll, I'll say that before we go. He is such a joy. Enoch is seven years old and he is a smart curious, cheerful, well-spoken, inquisitive little boy, very sweet. And uh, his name, by the way, Enoch Theophilus Mullet. Enoch means dedicated, dedicated. Uh, Theophilus, that's a, a Greek name. Enoch's Hebrew from the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis, lived for 365 years, and then he was no longer on the earth because God took him. He didn't die. God just decided, all right, that's that's good. He walked with God. There's not a whole lot that's said about Enoch, although there is a book of Enoch, which is pseudepigraphal or apocryphal, depending on how you want to look at it. And it's an interesting read. It's a very, very interesting read. I kind of hope it's true, but I don't know. It's not canon, so what do you do? But it is you know, speaking of Jude, it is quoted and referenced in the book of Jude. So I don't know what's up with that. I really don't. There are also, you know, Greek poets who are quoted in the New Testament. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everything they wrote was true and, you know, scriptural and all that. But in any event, Enoch walked with God, lived for 365 years, and then he was no more on the earth because God took him. And then Theophilus. Theophilus is this really interesting person who's mentioned just briefly in the New Testament in the dedication of the gospel according to Luke and the book of Acts. And there's speculation. It was a actual man, uh, perhaps a wealthy uh, patron who had made it possible financially uh, – being generous made it possible for Luke to travel around almost like a you know proto journalist going around interviewing witnesses eyewitnesses to the ministry of Jesus the death burial and resurrection of Jesus you know he, he went around and interviewed the apostles and the early church leaders and members to write the acts of the apostles we don't know he might have been kind of a stand-in name for early Christians also might have been a wealthy patron of Luke's. We just don't know. But his name means friend of God, which is a great, great thing to be. That is what we should aspire to. 
So Enoch Theophilus, he's a dedicated friend of God. That's what his name means in the Hebrew and in the Greek. And he is, he's just a, he's a very handsome lad, very bright, very, very sweet. So if you see him around here uh, in the next while, wish him happy birthday, ask him how it was. But like I said, I got to run. That's all the time I've got for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time. God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.